0: I set out this week to study Exodus 33, verses 7 through 11. That big. Just right here. I can get my arms around that. And God, as he always does, is like, yeah, you can't get your arms around me. Take a look. And I'm like, okay, how do I share this with your people? So God, give me grace in doing it. But the tabernacle is a meeting place. And it's a place of holiness. Holiness. You know, how you think about that? Holiness. Like maybe that's why it's so hard for me to get my arms around it because I don't feel very holy. Why don't I feel very holy? There's a reason. How many of you guys would say, I am holy. God, raise your hand. I am holy. Thanks, Matt. Matt was in first service. He's on it. I have my hand up loud and proud because I've been studying this all week and I know I am holy. Right? And I want by the end of this message for you to walk out of here going, I am holy. I am holy because God is holy. There's a reason though that we don't feel that way. Three little letter words. Keeps popping up in my life. Starts with an S. Sin. Right. And I'm just telling you, I'm more familiar with my sin, even after a whole week of studying holiness, than I am with God's holiness. Is that sad? And so I don't want to talk about sin too much, although it's in here. I want to talk about holiness. You got to know your sin or order to know your holiness the way we do holiness. Okay through worship, not through just pull yourself up by the bootstraps obedience. But we're going to go on a journey today. And by the end of the message, I want you to say, I am holy, for God is holy. He dwells in me. He tabernacles in me. He's present with me. I'm holy. Everybody ready? Okay, but, but, but. When God's people are discouraged... And disappointed because of their sin, which is how sometimes we enter on Sunday, right? This is like the best time of the week. Like, this is like the cherry on top of the ice cream Sunday. Extra ice cream, hold the cherry. This is the third scoop of ice cream on a Flapdoodles cone. Butter brickle for sure, and it's gotta be in a waffle cone. Make it the fourth scoop. All right, great. Do you get what I'm saying? Why? Because when we're discouraged and disappointed, that's how we, sometimes we come in because like life is hard and all week, it's like, ugh. There's a way to get around that. That's to, to have God dwell with us. But what do we need to do? Well, the best remedy for a broken heart over sin is a new vision of God's glory. Look at God and how glorious he is and go, whoa. I'm holy like like you're holy? Right. That's what we're going to do today. All right? Take a good look at God. So let's read uh, Exodus chapter 24. Uh, Did anybody like take a look at like the passages? Exodus 24 through 40. Ed, you can fire me later. All right. I'm just like, what in the world? Who does this? All right, well, I've done it before. I did it again. All right, here you go. Exodus 24, verse 1 through 8. Here it is. Then he said to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron and Nadab and Abihu. You can read about them in numbers. It's awesome. Well, it's not awesome for them, but awesome in God. And 70 of the elders of Israel and worship from afar. I want you to circle that right there. Worship from afar. I don't know about you. I don't want to worship from afar. I want to be Moses. I want to draw near. I want to be close. Right? Moses alone shall come near to the Lord. But the others shall not come near. And the people shall not come up with him. Just think about this. If you're like me, you grew up with a I want to be complex. I want to be Moses. I want to be Abraham. I want to be I want to be all the greats in the scripture. Let me remind you, these are normal dudes. These are normal guys. These are normal ladies, Deborah, Rahab. These are normal people who God met with, and he wants to meet with you. We're in a new covenant through the blood of Jesus Christ. The door is open to all of us, not just Moses. Just want you to remind that. Uh, As we go, Moses came and told the people, verse 3, all the words that the Lord, of the Lord, and all the rules. Anybody not like rules? Okay, the rest of you are lying. There's not a person in here that likes rules. You can all put your hand up. You're just liars. I'm calling that. I'm calling that all. I'm the guy that when the water park says you have to be this tall, I'm like, no, you don't. I'm the guy that when water park says you have to go down this way, I'm like, no, you don't. I'm the guy who almost gets kicked out of every amusement park I go to. Not because I want to, just because it's in me that I should do whatever I want to do, which to some people feels rebellious. (laughs) And rebellious isn't good when they're trying to conform to rules. We all come by it naturally, but uh, it's stick-it-to-the-man thing. And all the people answered with one voice and said, let's try it. Let's, let's all say this together. You read it as I do. All, go. I better say go, right? I better say go because you're going to be like, oh, I don't know. Let's start. Okay. On three. One, two, three, go. All the words that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. I mean, that's why we have them right here. And he rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and 12 pillars according to the 12 tribes of Israel. And he sent young men of the people of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings, sounds like last week, all these offerings and sacrifices, of oxen to the Lord. And Moses took half of the blood and put it in the basins. Come back to that later. Everybody say, ooh. Eh, uh, that's gross. Blood? Yuck. But blood is necessary to pay for sin. And half of the blood he threw against the altar. And no, I no, don't, don't want to go near. That's going to stink, okay? And he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. So he's in this ritual. Boom, boom. He's throwing blood all over. He's got some in the basin. He's like, thus says the Lord and he reads it all the stuff he's learning from God it's kind of like what I'm doing today and they said let's, let's try it again one, two, three, go all that the Lord has spoken we will do and we will be obedient bam I'm on God's plan I'm going to obey I'm going to try hard I'm going to do good I'm going to be obedient to everything God says. All right, well, let's seal the covenant. And Moses took the blood and threw it on the people. Ew! Yuck! And said, behold the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with these words. We are binding in this. We are covered by blood. We are... In a covenant. We're gonna celebrate the new covenant today in communion, praying that you will get your hearts ready. The first point is this holiness starts with obedience to God. Holiness starts, notice I didn't say ends or finishes. You might think it ends and finishes with obedience, but I'm gonna tell you why not. Holiness starts with obedience to God. We will do it. We will obey. I want God's plan. Now, if you're just thinking about that, you're like, really? I want to do everything that God says because I kind of want to do everything I want to do. That rebellious thing, yeah, comes out again. We'll get to that in a second. Look at verse uh, 12. So God's going to test this obedience right away. The Lord said to Moses, come up to me on the mountain and wait here. Wait here that I may give you the tablets of stone and the law and the commandment which I have written for their instruction. So Moses rose up with his assistant Joshua uh, and look at verse 14. And said to the elders, wait here for us until we return to you. Is that clear? Is everybody clear on that? What are they supposed to do? Circle it in your Bible. One of the things we do is we wait. Wait. Okay, we wait for God because we're we're so good at not waiting. I go out there and I'm like, do 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 do. Everything what that comes to my mind to do, everything that think will please me or please God. Why don't you wait for God to tell you what to do and just do that? Prayer, more prayer, and see how that goes. Right? So, are we on it yet? 21 day challenge? Wait. So he says, wait. You know, Aaron and her will hear your disputes. Uh, Reference back to Exodus 18. Moses went up on the mountain. The cloud covered the mountain. The glory of the Lord dwelt on Mount Sinai. And the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day, so what's Moses doing? Moses is waiting for six days, not six minutes not six hours, six days to hear from the Lord. And on the sixth, seventh day, he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. Now the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on top of the mountain in the sight of the people of Israel. So all these people are like looking at this, six days worth of fire on the mountain, and they're like, And Moses is waiting to enter. God says, come on up. Seventh day, let's go. I want to meet with you on the seventh day. Does that make any sense with anybody? I don't know. We do church like every seven days. I think God wants to meet with you once a week. And so he meets with him. And how long does he meet with him? Look at it. Moses entered the cloud and went up on the mountain, and Moses was on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. Here's the astounding thing, and we'll get to it in a second on the second point. The fire was still there for 40 days and 40 nights. But the people stopped looking, it didn't get their attention anymore. They weren't awestruck by it, it wasn't even a deal. And that how we come to Christ. At first we're like whoa, and then we're kind of like, God's cool. And then we're kind of like, God, who? And we got to always come back, don't we? All right. So this point, obedience. Right, obedience, obedience holiness starts with obedience. So how do you even know if I'm how do I check my heart on whether I'm obeying or not? How is it going and are you obeying God? Well, just a couple of chapters before was Exodus 20 and those are the 10 commandments. So let me just read them for you. No other gods before me. Not make for yourself any carved image. All right. Not take the name of the Lord, your God in vain. I think we're all guilty of that. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. I'm not even sure we understand what that means. I'm not doing so well in the first four. And it gets kind of into the practical stuff where I can get self-righteous. So let's keep going. This is fun for me. Honor your father and your mother. Most times, not murder. Yes, I win. (laughs) And then you read Matthew 5 through 7, Sermon on the Mount, and you go, If I hate somebody, I'm a murderer. If I I just don't like you today. God's new covenant is looking at the spirit, not the law. And so he's looking at your spirit, not the law. Obedience became a lot different at Jesus. Not commit adultery, not steal, that's cheat, not bear false witness, lie, not covet, lust. Again, reference Matthew 5 through 7 on all those. They're like, yeah yeah, 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 you got me, you got me, do I got you? I mean, I got me, I hope I got you, all right, but, but, but that's, that's the past, God's not really referring to that, you know, yeah, let's move forward, all right, well, just flip back to chapter 24, how about we move forward on what God's calling us to obey, uh, look at verse 25, or chapter 25, verse 1, we'll just go with that, okay, I'll just go with that, we'll move forward, forget the 10 commandments, I can't believe I just said that out loud, but for the sake of argument, let's just roll. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the people of Israel that they take for me a, I did say curse for in church, contribution, offering. From every man whose heart moves him. Notice, it's not a contrived thing. It's not a greedy thing. It's not a I'll twist your arm till you give thing. It's whoever's heart's moving. Please, take an offering for them. You shall receive the contribution. Underline the last two words of the passage. It's important. I'll preach on this in, in November. Who is it for? For me. Who's me? God. Ain't me. It's God. Right? For me. We're taking the offering for God. Skip down to verse 8. There's a lot of cool stuff there you can give to God in between, but here it is. And let them make me a sanctuary, a tabernacle, a dwelling place, that I may dwell in their midst. We're on task now. Exactly as I have shown you concerning the pattern of the tabernacle. He showed him on the mountain. He showed him heavenly things. Hebrews tells us that. And all of its furniture, you shall make it. Obey. So is that a better spot? Take up an offering, build me a house. Are we obeying? So these, this is what the word God's saying. And as I read it, I'm being penetrated. He goes on chapters 25 through 31. And basically he's like, here's what you're going to build. Here's what it's going to look like. Take up an offering for me. I want to be in your middle. I want to be in the midst of you. I want to dwell with you. I want you to think about this. In the Garden of Eden, was God with Adam? Did he dwell with him? Did they walk together and talk together? He told me I was his own. Right? And what happened? Sin. Sin happened. And so they had to leave the garden, right? And it says when they left that the entrance was guarded by a cherubim, right? And that the entrance was to the east. And this tabernacle and all the instructions that God has designed is supposed to face east. And it's guarded by a cherubim. God is trying to reestablish relationship with you and me through the tabernacle in the Old Testament. He's trying to be in the Garden of Eden with you. Let that sink in. That holiness that's required to be there with him starts with obedience. But I know you feel the same way I do. God wants to dwell with me in the midst of my people to be close, but... Maybe I don't feel close because of my sin and disobedience. Maybe you entered that way. I don't really feel close. Exhibit A, Jesus Christ on the cross. I was reading Matthew 27 this week. Uh, Finishing up Matthew. I'm into Luke now. And uh, I get to Jesus on the cross. And Jesus says to his father... My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Did God turn his back on his son? Because that's the way I read it. All my life I read it that way. God turned his back on the son. But is that true? No, 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 no. What's true is Jesus Christ never knew sin before. And when sin was on him, my sin, your sin, He couldn't sense or know or be in relationship with the father. The father was right there, arms open, as he is with us. But the son couldn't feel it because of our sin. And so he says, it's such an astounding phrase, God, where are you? Why have you left me here alone? It's a sin issue. So if you enter here discouraged or disappointed, you're going to get good news right now. Are you ready? Here's the second point. (laughs) Obedience requires my repentance before God. That's the table. That's the communion table right there. Obedience requires my repentance before God. See, sin is the problem. Flip over a few pages. I've kind of got you up through chapter 32 now. So let's get to chapter 32. He tells him all this stuff that he's supposed to build and all this instructions. He's like, build it like this and build it like this. And he's showing him a picture of heaven. Because there's a pattern of these things. This is just a shadow of what was in heaven. And as he's telling him, guess what the people are doing? Well, look at chapter 32. What does it say at the top of that? Just a little, like, three words to kind of give you, like, an idea of the chapter. What does it say? See, you could teach just as well as I could, right? The golden calf. Anybody heard that story before? Sunday school? Okay, I'm not getting a good read. Yes? No? Yeah, okay, good. Okay, most of you. All right. Like, y'all didn't go to Sunday school? Like, I'm the only one? i like, what the? (laughs) I've heard this story a million times. Well, okay, a hundred thousand times. I don't know. A lot of times. But here's how it goes. Where's Moses? Make us gods because Moses is gone. We don't think he's coming back. Aaron, verse 4, and he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool. I want you to underline that fashioned it with a graving tool. That's going to make a lot of sense later. And made a golden calf. And they said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. How do you think God feels right now? God's talking to Moses, but God's not like in one conversation only. He can hear it all. One of those guys. Yeah. All right. All right. I know a little bit about that. All right, so why are you talking out there? Shut up. I'm trying to study, right? God can hear it all. And it's coming up to him. And he sees that sin over there. And he's boiling. Who brought you out of Egypt? Who did all the plagues? Who split the water? Who made you walk on dry ground? Who, who, who? And he says to Moses, you better go down and take care of those people you brought out of Egypt. (laughs) And Moses like, God, you brought us out of Egypt. What are you talking about? See, Moses doesn't know the gravity of their sin. He can't see it. He doesn't feel it. He says, God, you promised. They're your people. God says, you go. You leave me before I consume them. I'll start over with you. I'll take them out. doesn't matter to me. I'll make another one just like them. Sometimes they think he's saying that about me. And Moses doesn't fully grasp it. He's ho-hum down the mountain, right, with these tablets. And he gets to a place where he can see their sin. See, I'm hoping you get to a place where you can really see your sin. Where the blinders come off and you go, I'm a sinner. I can see it. And I'm amongst a bunch of sinners. And I can see that too. And he gets close enough to see their sin, and he is livid. It says there that he, Moses' anger burned hot, and he threw the tablets out of his hand and broke them. These are the tablets that God wrote with his own finger. Hold on to the ball, bro. But he goes ballistic and he throws them down, and he chucks down the hill, and he's. And it says, He took the calf that they had made and He burned it with fire and ground it into powder and scattered it on the water and made the people of Israel drink it. I'm sure that didn't taste good. You know, I come to church and I talk about sin quite a bit and I feel like I'm making you drink it. It doesn't taste good. And you know what? Some people leave because it doesn't taste good and they don't have to drink here. And other people stay. But I want this to be clear. I most often am talking about my own sin, right? Some people don't like that. They want their pastor to be all this. I'm a sinner saved by grace. You're a sinner saved by grace. I usually reference my sin because it helps me relate to you. And then I talk how we should be holy as God is holy because that helps me relate to him. He makes him drink it. Romans 1 has something to say with that. You want that sin? You can have it. God says you can have it. You have it all. Just you have it. Take it. Eat it. Drink it. And when it fills you up and you don't want that anymore, come back because I'll be here. Repent. Most interesting part. Verse 23. The people said, make us gods before us. And where's Moses? And brought us out of the land of Egypt. And what has become of him? Verse 24. So I said to them, Aaron speaking, let any of you who have gold take it off. Take off your bracelets, take off your uh, ornaments, take off your earrings, take off everything, your necklaces. They gave it to me and I threw it into the fire. And, ready for a big chuckle? Out came this calf. I don't know what happened. That's called denying your own sin. Remember the engraving tool? Remember the shaping of a calf? You threw it in and popped out a calf? Woo! It's a different story. But we tell God a different story about our sin all the time. And we tell other people a different story about our sin all the time. We have to be honest about our sin. all related to this. uh, Our other example was kind of about money. So here, here you go. This is it. I get a paycheck. It comes to my bank account. It's just direct deposit. It's like magic. I work and there it is. What if I'm like Aaron? At the end of the month, I'm like, man, all this stuff's in my house. I don't even know how I got here. It's crazy. There's money in my bank account, all of a sudden, bloop. Stuff in my house, all of a sudden, bloop. And there it is. I don't have any money to give to God because I, something just happened with it. There's stuff in my house. I don't know what happened. And I would just say to you again, gently, think about it. God gave you every cent. It is all his anyway. Give him what he asks. Give it to him cheerfully. Take the other 90%. Smile on your face like, Dad, I got 90%. He got 10. I got 90%. And live within your means. There's this thing called budget. Have one and have it add up to less than what you make after you've given to God. I'm off onto a different message, but the point still remains. Obedience requires my repentance before God. So Moses says, Who's on the Lord's side? Come to me. I felt like we had that message last week. That was kind of last week, wasn't it? I just stood up here. I was like, who's on God's side? Draw the line. Let's go. Slaughter the false altars. Let's go. Was I like that? I think I was like that. All right? Moses says that, and the Levites come to him, the priests. That's who we should be. We are a holy priesthood because of Jesus. And they slaughter 300 died. And I want to say this to you. Sin costs something. You can repent. And obedience requires repentance. You can repent, but you're still having consequences for your sin. Premarital sex, it's going to stick with you. God will forgive you, but you're going to know it. You're going to have it, right? Right? pornography it's in your head god's forgiven me but the consequences of your sin you're you're stuck with that that's just who it is sin is costly sin requires a punishment or a payment can i get a thank you jesus thank you for christ right It requires a payment. We often say around here at Harvest, choose to sin, choose to suffer. Don't hurt yourself, God says. I don't want you over there, God says. Come be near to me, God says. He's not an angry God trying to hurt you or make you not have fun. He loves you and he longs to be with you. Verse 30 through 35 is an interesting passage where Moses says to them, you have sinned a great sin. Now I will go up before the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement for my sin. Does anybody think Moses can make atonement? Anybody? But he's gonna try. Watch this now. Watch this. He says, but now, if you will forgive their sin, come on God, forgive their sin, but if not, Please blot me out of your book that you have written. If you won't forgive them, God, kill me, save them. Paul said that in Romans. I would be a curse that the Jews could come to Christ. Moses said the same thing Take me, kill me, let them know it. Forgive them, God. But I want you to notice what God says in the Old Covenant. But the Lord said to Moses, Whoever has sinned against me, I will blot out of my book. Now go lead the people about what I've spoken to you, and I'm gonna send an angel with you. I'm not going up with you. That had to be devastating. I have the plans to the Holy of Holies being built in the middle of our midst. I have the plan. God's unveiled the plan to me of how he wants to go back to the Garden of Eden and be with us. And we messed it all up. And now God's not even going to go up to Canaan with us? What goes? Come on, man. He says in verse 3 of the next chapter, 33, Go up to the land flowing with milk of honey. God is still gracious, even in your sin. I will not go up among you lest I consume you on the way. He told Moses earlier, leave me alone. I'm going to kill somebody. (laughs) You are a stiff-necked people. I got to tell you, man, that's our story. I'm a stiff-necked person. And Moses tries to make an atonement, but he can't do it. Guess who can? Jesus Christ. Watch this from Hebrews chapter 9. Here it is. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation. Jesus wasn't created. His body, his blood for us. He entered once for all into the holy places. Not by means of the blood of goats or calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For while we were still weak... Oh, sorry. I skipped a slide. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without blemish to God? Jesus Christ never sinned. He's the only one that can say that. Purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. I'm praying you leave here today going, I'm holy, as God is holy. My conscience is clear. Romans chapter five. For while we were still weak in sin, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person. Though perhaps for a good person or a chosen people, in Moses' case, a person would dare... To die. Moses, is like I'll do it, blot me out of your book, God. For your chosen people, I'll do it. But God shows His love to us while we were sinners. Christ died for us. He's not in love with a better version of you. He's in love with you today. Ungodly sin. Coming back in discouraged and wanting help. And he's like, come close, kid. I love you. You're my children. I want to walk with you. I want to be in the middle of you. I want to reign inside of you. Obedience requires repentance before God. So repent and obey. This next point. Repentance leads to worshiping God. Repentance leads to worshiping God. So this is the passage I was going to preach. (laughs) The tent of meeting, verses 7 through 11. And here's what happens. He pitched a tent outside the camp, far off. Why does he do that? Why does he do that? Because sin... He's like, God wants to live with you, but he's got to live out here. So Moses takes his tent, pitches it outside the city. This is before they've even made the thing, before they've even taken the contributions yet. He pitches his tent outside the city. He's like, I I am going to be with the Lord. And he called it the tent of meeting, meeting with God, and everyone who sought the Lord. What's our theme this year? Seek him. Everybody who sought him, the Lord, would go out to the tent of meeting. They would go outside the city. It's Just a step to him being in you. You came to church today, maybe out of your comfort zone. You went outside the city. But Jesus wants to reign in your heart. When Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise up and each one would stand at his tent door and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses. And when all the people saw the pillar of the cloud, God standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship. They're like, oh, I remember that. That's God. Worship. Each at his own door, each in his own house, each in his own life, each one individually would worship. And it's so sweet when we come together in that, isn't it? And worship. I gather in the house of the Lord together. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. Hmm. Newsflash. God wants to speak to you that way today. Go home, turn the game off, open the Bible up, and wait and read and listen. That'll be a touchdown. That will be glorious. That will be awesome. Then Moses gets into this prayer thing with God where he's going back and forth. I'll just read it this way. Prayer is this huge thing in worship. And he says, Show me your ways. I want to know you, God. I want to know more about you. Open up the Bible. Let me see what it is. Well, let me see what it says. I want to do it. I want to obey. I'll have to repent of some things, like maybe giving today, right? I didn't know. I was supposed to give to God. Well, okay, now you know. Let's go. He says, Show me your ways, God. I want to know you more. And he says, Consider your people and your promise, God. If you flip over uh, verse 16, he says, For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us that we are distinct? I and your people from any other people on the face of the earth. When you walk out of here, the thing that makes you distinct is not that you go to Harvest Bible Chapel. It's not that you took communion today. When you go out of here, what makes you distinct is you have God in you. So the question is, do you have God in you? Or are you just trying to do godly things and put the mask on and look like you have God in you when you only have God out of you? It's a fake. It's a fake ten. of meeting. God knows a fake. And then he says, he just gets deeper in prayer. He says, God, show me your glory. Show me everything, God. Give it to me. Give it all to me. And I got to stop there and I got to say this to you. God wants to show you as much as you can handle, all right? God wants to give you and show you as much of his glory as you can handle. But I also got to be honest with you. This side of heaven, you can't handle much. In worship, we are asking God, show me your glory, God. Bring it down. Rend the heavens! Move the mountains! But just so you know, there's only so much of God's glory that you can handle this side of eternity. I think of that every time I get really emotional in worship where I think I might be overcome with emotion. You ever been that? It's like just like, it's, it's, oh, my body's shaking. I'm just so like, overcome with emotion at that point i'm like I don't, I don't know if i can go any farther i don't know if you could show me another thing god or i might explode right and i want to be in that place of worship repentance leads to my worshiping god i think that showing you the pieces of the temple will help you repent and lead you to worship. So let me show you the pieces of the temple right now. I've been studying these all week, so here they are, okay? This is a picture of the temple. Temple. I keep saying temple. That's next week. This is a picture of the tabernacle, the whole thing set up. It was supposed to be in the middle of the camp, all of Israelites around it, God in the midst of us, all right? And I want to go through this. I want to give you a visual aid, a reminder of who God is. The comfort, the grace, the hope for sinners. That this, each piece is, it shows a sinner's need. It symbolizes God's temporary provision until Jesus. And it points to the greater fulfillment in the coming of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Here's each of the things. The altar. Take a look. God saves sinners. God saves sinners through the blood of Jesus Christ. There has to be a sacrifice on the altar. Then the laver or the basin, God cleanses sinners. And we're walking a little farther in, God cleanses sinners. That kind of has a, when we do baptisms, the whole water thing and the washing away, the regeneration. So first you get saved, then you get baptized. You, You get in the picture and you keep going, right? You keep going and it gets deeper and and the whole tabernacle, God lives among sinners. God lives among us. We're all sinners gathered here in the church today. But we're holy and righteous God who wants to be among us through the blood of Jesus Christ. And the lampstand, representing the tree of life, God gives light to sinners. He gives light to sinners. John 1, go read that. He gives light. Jesus said, I will dwell among you, tabernacle among you. I will be in the middle of you, and you will see my glory. He gives light. And then this, you get a little deeper, and it's the table, the bread of presence. God fellowships with sinners. The table, the bread, the body, the, the juice, the, the wine, whatever you want to call it, the, the crackers, the The saltines. That's just a picture. God wants to be with you. He wants to fellowship with you. He's not remembering your sin if you have repented of it. He doesn't want you to remember it either. Be done with it. Move on. And worship. Then the altar of incense. God hears sinners. This is why we're on prayer right now. God hears you. He wants to hear you. He wants to... Know what you have to say, and he wants you to hear him in prayer. Then the court curtain, the curtain between the holy holies. Now we're almost there, and you have this curtain, right? And it's separate, and the cherubim are are standing there, and they're like, You can't come in, right? You're like, That's intimidating. That's a curtain that separates us from God. God is separate from sinners. But you go read Matthew 27 and what happened to the curtain when Jesus died. Ripped it in two. And he says, enter through my flesh, through the body and blood of Jesus Christ. You can enter right into the Holy of Holies. And the piece of furniture that's in the Holy of Holies is the Ark of the Covenant. God reigns over sinners. Jesus Christ is my Savior. I enter through him, but he is my Lord. He reigns over me. He's my master. I do what he says. And not just in an obedience way, in a worship way. See, obedience and worship are very similar. I'm to the fourth point now. He takes Exodus 34 through 40, and he says, hey, this is the plan Go carry it out. And, and Moses carries it out. He takes up the contribution. He builds the stuff. He, there's skillful workers. There's guys in the body. There's gals in the body who do just the right thing to get it done, just like we're serving the Lord in worship. And he says, Repent and worship me. But then this last point worship reflects God's glory. Worship reflects the glory of God. See, there's a razor's edge, there's a thin line between obedience and worship, and you're standing on it. Some people here are like, "I'm a Christian, I obey God. I know the Bible, I do what it says. Not perfectly, but I'm doing it." And there's all of you on this razor's edge who are like, "I read the Bible." And I know I can't stand. I know I'm supposed to try, but I have no hope apart from Jesus Christ. And my only way I'm gonna be holy and the only way I'm gonna be righteous is to repent and say I can't, that He can, and to rest in Him. That's salvation. That's the difference between obedience and worship. Holiness starts with obedience, but notice how it ends in worship and glory. Get this now, this is very key. It's a razor's edge between heaven and hell, too. Obedience and worship may look similar, you might look like the same person walking in, but they're worlds apart, and it depends on your heart. I can't really tell you, only God knows the heart, God knows whether you're repentant or not. True repentance. God knows whether you're dependent on him for holiness or trying to look good on your own and therefore worshiping your own man-made God. God knows. And only God knows. Worship is a matter of a heart. Worship depends on my heart towards God. How's my heart? Let's end with that, huh? Time to have a heart check-in. Time to check the heart. So I'm just going to ask you to bow your head. I'm going to read a couple passages over you. I want to share the gospel. We're going to take communion in a moment. I love everybody to kind of reenact the gospel in your own life. Remember the day you met Jesus Christ, if you did. But if you don't have a repentance story, if you don't have a time where you repented and you came to Christ and said, I can't, you can then I want you to really consider this being that day where you repent of your sin. And you don't just try to do good. Holiness starts with good. But where you fall on your face and worship God and reflect His glory and let that be the holiness of God. So let me start with this question. Are you confident that the blood of Jesus has cleansed your heart and washed you pure and holy as God is holy. Are you confident? I'm going to read this. You answer that question. Thus it was necessary for the copies of these heavenly things to be purified with the rites, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ has entered Not only into the holy places made with hands, the tabernacle, which are copies of the true things in heaven, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf, literally at the right hand of God the Father, making intercession for you right now. Jesus is praying for you. Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest enters the holy places every year with the blood, not his own, But then, he would have had, for then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all. And I'm praying that once for all today, you choose who you follow. At the end of the age, to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Verse 27, the most misquoted verse in all of Scripture. And just as it was appointed for man once to die, after that comes the judgment. And I would not use that to scare you into heaven, but I would say to you, keep reading. So Christ, there is a judgment, but sin is past if you're a believer. So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly awaiting for him. Are you eagerly awaiting Jesus? Or are you like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know? Well, that ought to be your answer. Man, if you can't wait till he comes back, then you're ready. And if you're like, I hope he doesn't come back today. i got to get right with him at communion. You're not ready. There's something more than the do good act that you're going to do at communion. There's Jesus Christ. I'll keep reading just another passage. Where there is forgiveness of these sins, there is no longer any offering for sin. He already dealt with sin. He already put it away. Accept it. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus Christ, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest, Jesus Christ, Over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. With our hearts sprinkled clean from the evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. His body broken for us. His blood spilled for us. That's my confession I take these elements because I am his and for no other reason. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as I see the day drawing near. Now, listen this is the gospel. This is it. Jesus Christ, are you confident that the blood of Jesus cleanses your heart and washes you pure and holy as God is holy? If not, why not accept it? The sacrifice that he made for you today? If so, declare it. And walk out of here saying, I am holy as God is holy. If you'd like to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me lead you in this simple prayer. Pray with me. God, I want to obey. I really do. I'm a sinner, (laughs) and it comes naturally to me. I repent of my sin. And I confess I am wrong. Even when I try to do good, it ends up being bad. You are right, God. You are the only way. You sent Jesus Christ to be the sacrifice for my sin. His blood covers me. Say it. His blood covers me. Now I want to follow Jesus, my Lord and Savior, for the rest of my life and all of eternity.